Welcome to the Bitcoin Podcast. This show is intended for information purposes only, but we're not experts. We're just two guys within the Bitcoin community. Bitcoin is an experiment in the separation of money and state. You'll be surprised how many will support that. And adoption is the only thing that matters. This is a different kind of episode we have for you today. I'm your second host, D. First host, Cello. Third host, Corey. Are indisposed. Uh, no. Cello's just got really sick. He's got babies, and the babies got sick, I think, and they made him sick. And then, uh, Corey is not in Brazil. He's traveling. He's such a globetrotter, that Corey. But he came back to the States, but he doesn't have access to his thing, so it's just me running the podcast this week. Um, but anyways, before I get too into it, let me guys tell you to go to escrowmybits.com. That's right, escrow your shit with escrowmybits.com. Excellent process. It's a three-step process. You sign up, you deposit your Bitcoin, you can start doing transactions with people you don't even know to get the sketchy things that you like. If you don't like sketchy things, you can get those things too. It's awesome. There's regular escrow, regular escrow fixed with to fiat value, multi-signature escrow, and multi-signature escrow fixed with a fiat value. You'll love it. Escrow your shit with escrowmybits.com. The transactions are on the up and up. It's a very safe way to do commerce over the interwebs where you can't trust people. You just can't. It's the internet. All right. So this episode's a good one. We got Mr. Roger Ver in here. Um, I was too scared to ask him if I could be called Bitcoin Yeezus. Um, and quite frankly, you kind of want to stay away from all things Kanye West nowadays. Um, but either way, we had him in there. We talked about a great, great talks. That doesn't make sense. Can't talk about great talks. Anyways, we got Roger Ver and, and, and we, we talked to him about Bitcoin. We talked to him about how he feels about his place in Bitcoin, how he feels about this stupid debate that's been going on far too long. Um, but I guess it is necessary, right? We got to get this shit sorted in order for Bitcoin to progress. So usually Marcello brings up the talking points and me, we just kind of shoot the shiz. Um, so today we're going to talk about things I want to talk about. One of those things is rootstock. It's a side chain. One of the first side chains. And it gives Bitcoin some more functionality, guys. It makes Bitcoin kind of like Ethereum. And Ethereum is popping off right now. If you haven't checked, Ethereum's price is going up and up and up. I think it's a lot of speculation. But speculation isn't a bad thing. It's just a thing. Uh, let's see here. Uh, well, Rootstock. It's a brand new sidechain that basically brings smart contracts to the Bitcoin blockchain. So if you don't know what a smart contract is, you're just like me. And you're going to go look up some stuff. And then you're going to share it on our Zap chain. And then we're all going to be up to beat on root on smart contracts actually i think i could kind of deduce it down just by its name it's just a contract that has built in i guess parameters and if thens and conditionals into the contract and it's decentralized and i'm pretty sure the mathematics just gear just keeps the contract going i guess and whenever stipulations have been made in the contract and it executes them 
or it um, terminates the contract, or I guess just like a regular contract, but smarter. Um, you know, just a few quick reads, just a concept, rootstock, rootstock is a concept, uh, it's touring complete, which means it can think, it's like a computer that can think, that's a little, that's a very Dr. Susie definition, but nevertheless, that's what it is, touring complete, um, so once again, we, we approach a new week where Bitcoin is becoming more functional, more operable, better. Another use case, uh, a s- maybe another source of demand that goes in for Bitcoin. And it's becoming painstakingly obvious to anyone who is into Bitcoin that it is the future. The future is now. And... Bitcoin's going to get better and better and better. Meanwhile, I guess private blockchains and fiat pegged, I don't know, whatever you want to say. Um, well, I guess fiat pegged things aren't so bad, but fiat, the government, that government money, uh, is, is going to get left in the dust if they don't adapt. It looks like, oh, there's one sovereign nation that's, leading the regulation forefront and japan is looking like they're coming out of left field with yo bitcoin is totally money man it's easy all right this guy he comes in he wants sushi i want bitcoin he gives me bitcoin i give him sushi it's obviously money it just makes sense let's just make it money so japan is doing their best and it looks like Real soon, they could actually make Bitcoin legal tender, which would be pretty good. Pretty good stamp of legitimacy. What's up with my mouth? A pretty good stamp of legitimacy. You know, and that's what Bitcoin could use a little more of as, you know, it seems to me world economies are stressed out a little bit. Bitcoin could use a little bit more legitimacy, you know, so people are like, hey, you know, my government's going to take all my money and turn it into shit. I'm just going to take my money and turn it into Bitcoin. Straight up digital gold. Fuck that dinar or whatever I'm messing with. To tell you the truth, I don't even like USD that much. Everything feels so much cleaner when I spend Bitcoin. I've been using the shift card, which is kind of like putting horses on a Porsche. You know, having horses pull a Porsche, it's going backwards a little bit. But still, at the end of the day, there's a little warm happiness when I swipe that shift card. And it's like, ah, yeah, Bitcoin, that's my shit. But anyways, um, what else to talk about? Our boy Brian Armstrong, CEO of Coinbase, uh, says that the core devs are a systemic risk. And I think that's taken out of context. I actually read his Medium post because he's a good writer. There's a lot of good thoughts that go bouncing around in that ball dome. But I read his Medium. And basically he's saying that I think Core is kind of strangling Bitcoin's growth. May they be doing it for good reasons like Gavin proposed? Yes, they probably are. But at the same time, it's kind of making Bitcoin look embarrassing to people on the outside looking in. And then... What sucks is I consider Brian Armstrong to be pretty level-headed, but then the people that 
have the same viewpoint aren't maybe necessarily as so. There's a lot, of, there's still a lot of name calling and dumb shit going on, like conspiracy theories. You know, it's pretty fun. There's a sect of ninjas in Japan that are responsible for Bitcoin not being able to scale. That's a bit much. Obviously not, but that's obviously not the case. But nevertheless, um, the Bitcoin debate is still going strong, whether you like it or not. I personally don't. I'm kind of over it. I wish we could just grow the block size a little bit and keep it moving. But it's got to be done. It's got to be done right. We actually asked there about the block size debate, and he had a very interesting response. So I hope that you stay listening long enough to hear that very interesting response. Oh, pop surprise. Tweet, airbiz is the shit, hashtag just two guys. And tag at the BTC podcast. Or you can even tag, you know, me and Core if you like. You, you can tag us. And you can have some bits coming your way soon. Okay? That'll be something you could do. It won't take you long. You just open up Twitter and you, you tweet what I just told you to tweet and you're going to get some Bitcoin. It's that simple. It's that simple. So, as far as talking points go... um. I really don't want to talk about the debate, even though I just talked about the debate. What I want to talk about is the price and how the price seems to be emulating doing exactly what it's supposed to do. I think the difficulty dropped a little bit, 3 4%, and the price has dropped a little bit, which is expected, you know. Um, I hope it doesn't drop more because that would suck. Like, if the difficulty, it would suck if there was like a massive drop in difficulty after the halvening. And then there ended up being a price drop. That would suck, I think. Or the price stayed the same. I'm really looking forward to the price going up. You know what I mean? No, there's not more than one people in Bitcoin that are, like, thinking of names for their boat. I've done it on occasion. Hopefully that still becomes a thing. But if not, I'll just get a job working in blockchain technology. And then I'm on and popping. So, anyways. Um... Yeah, since it's a weird episode and it's just me, it's weird. I'm just me and this talking. I feel like I'm talking to myself. Uh, we're gonna get into the interview. It's Roger Bear. You all know Roger Bear. He goes without introduction. Bitcoin Jesus Cristo is what some people call him. Um, I know, just I could tell from the interview, he doesn't really like being called that. I don't think. So we're just gonna call him Roger Bear. He is a philanthropist to the core. He has given millions of dollars to Bitcoin projects and, and charity. Uh, if you go to his website, you can see all the different things he's invested in and, and donations. Uh, he's a proponent of purse.io, which is an amazing service for Bitcoiners. If you want to get 20% off on all your Amazon stuff, which adds up, you know, it can end up paying for that 20% off can end up paying for your Amazon Prime every year, which seems like it just goes up unexpectedly. And boom. Uh, let's see, what else is Roger Ver responsible for? Uh, most symmetrical cheekbones in the biz. That's a fact. You can read it on his Wikipedia page. Um, jiu-jitsu. If you disagree with him, he'll jujitsu you to submission. Kind of like our boy McGregor just got done last night. Oh, shit. Talking all that shit. Uh, anyways, uh, Roger Ver. 
Here it is. Firstly, uh, thank you. Uh, we read your bio and see that you're a proponent of voluntari- voluntarism. Uh, that was hard for me to pronounce. And you yourself have volunteered your time and money to very pivotal things to Bitcoin. So, so thank you for that. Thank um, you, too. So today's environment gives everyone a voice, even to those that have no idea what they're talking about. How do you, a central figure in Bitcoin, deal with those spewing ignorance with confidence, uh, sometimes aimed at you? Do you have recommendations on how someone could sift through all the muck to find good information? Find find people that you think that are trustworthy and know what they're talking about and pay attention to those guys and don't believe the, the trolls, I suppose, and don't feed them either is kind of what I try and do. Nice. So, like, do the... Was your recommendation? How do you know someone's trolling? I mean, there's so many people talking, so much ignorance flying around here and there. At the end of the day, I think you have to decide for yourself. Um, the problem is there's only so many hours in each day to to look at things and figure things out. But uh, you know, do your own research and decide for yourself, and and focus on your own little area, and don't worry about what other people are doing in their other areas. Just focus on what you're up to and try and do the best job you possibly can on on what you're up to. Absolutely. So and then when when you get like a lot of Bitcoin leaders uh, together to come together and like discuss important issues, the, everyone who has a stance has their own opinion on how things could be. We were wondering how well does everyone get along, and is the conversations usually productive, or is everyone kind of spinning in circles? In in person, I think things are are very very civil. It's only on the internet that people really start uh, <laughs> saying crazy stuff and going you know off the deep end in, in, in person or even. Even on Skype via voice, people are much more civil than, than when they start, you know, tweeting and posting on Reddit and that sort of stuff. Okay. So speaking of that, there's, you know, there's a lot of bashing in the Bitcoin community about some different things, you know, but sometimes there's a lot of bashing on anything that's not Bitcoin. And, and But you yourself, you've invested in Ripple, Truthcoin, and, and maybe some other not Bitcoin endeavors. Could you stress the importance of there being a healthy crypto ecosystem instead of just a healthy Bitcoin? Yeah, the the more experiments that people try, the the better. Um, it's kind of like natural selection, but in cryptocurrency. So, if something even better than Bitcoin comes along, that's actually a good thing because the entire world then gets to benefit from that. Like right now, Bitcoin seems to be popular enough and and good enough, um, but you never know. Some that might change in the future. And like I said, you know, right now I have. The absolute best iPhone on the entire planet. You know, I have an iPhone 6S. Um, <laughs> but you know what? I hope that something even better comes along. And that doesn't, it's not a bad thing if something even better comes along. It's a good thing because I'll get to use that someday as well. And if the same happens to Bitcoin, uh, that's great. Or if we manage to upgrade the Bitcoin protocol to make it even better, that's great too. It just, we all, it just means we all get to benefit from that new and improved technology that comes in the future. Absolutely. And then I guess the name Bitcoin Jesus, I know it gets old, but we had to ask, like, how does it feel knowing that thousands of people are effortlessly referring to you as like the monetary God day in and day out? Is there, is there a certain sense of pressure that comes along with a lot of responsibility? Yeah. Um, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't choose that nickname for myself. So like, uh, and if I could undo it, I, I would undo it. But um, <laughs> yeah, I guess there's a lot of pressure. And then, and then I see these other people on the internet that are saying, you know, 
what an arrogant jerk for choosing that name. It's like, I didn't choose it. It just happened. So. <laughs> All good nicknames are usually uh, uh, someone else is supposed to name name you. You're not supposed to self-proclaim yourself. So that makes yeah, sense. That's how it happened with, with this one. So, But I'll continue to do my best to live up to it. But it's a very, very tall order. So we'll yeah. see what happens. It's just, I mean, given your accomplishments and your contributions to Bitcoin, it's it's hard to find a better fitting one, but I know it must get on your nerves. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, I just do the best I can. So, and it, and it was, I don't know if you guys heard the actual story of where I think it first came from or the, the first time somebody sent it to my face. Anyhow, is a, I was at a big barbecue and there were a bunch of Bitcoin adults that were involved with the Bitcoin startup and that sort of thing. And then the, a bunch of high school aged kids from the neighboring house had come over and there were maybe a, a dozen or 20 high school kids that were at the barbecue as well. And so, you know, I, anybody I meet anywhere, everywhere, doesn't matter. I tell them about Bitcoin and it wasn't any different with these high school kids. So I started telling them all about Bitcoin. And I think Bitcoin was around probably two or three dollars a Bitcoin at this point. And, um, you know, high school age kids, digital money, no problem. They get it right away. And all these kids were getting really excited about Bitcoin. And I was setting them all up with their first Bitcoin wallet and giving them each a little bit of Bitcoin. And, uh, one of the adults was looking on as all these, you know, maybe a dozen or two dozen high school kids were listening and he, and, you know, enthusiastically getting set up with Bitcoin. And he said, Roger, it's like, it's like you're a Bitcoin Jesus and you have your disciples around you. <laughs> oh, I, wow. I think maybe that's where it originally started, but, uh, Somehow it spread from there, and here we are. You know, multiple years later, that was like four years ago. I think that that story. So oh, wow. it was, uh, for people that have been around long enough, it was uh, at a, a Coin Lab barbecue up in uh, Washington State. So it's been a while. Wow, Roger, who turns internet into money? Here he is. Anyways, enough about that. Let's move on. Let's move on. So <laughs> one of the projects that you work with uh, is Purse Purse .io. Um, I've used Purse. It works. One, it's one of the best services in the Bitcoin system, it has to be. I mean, the discounts, um, the trustworthiness, it's just there. But one of the things I found that's been difficult on my end and, and on our end, we, we stress mass adoption. That's kind of like the Bitcoin podcast's mantra. And I've been trying to get a little mass adoption of purse.io. And I just wanted to hear from someone who works so closely with it, how would you recommend we do that because I put a lot of Facebook posts out there. I tweet about purse and it, to me, it just makes sense, you know, save up to 30% sometimes on your purchases, but the, a lot of people aren't getting traction with that. So how would you recommend that I can maybe change the approach or. I, I think purse.io has the same problem that Bitcoin has. And that's that it's, it seems too good to be true. When people hear about Bitcoin, there's money with no inflation and you can send it anywhere in the world instantly almost for free and nobody can freeze your account or block it and the value is likely to go up over time. They think that's that and nobody can stop it or shut it down. Like they think that can't be real. That's too good to be true. But you know, as we already know with Bitcoin, it is real. It is true. It is that good. And it's kind of the same way with purse that people here, they can get 30 per, a 30% discount from Amazon. Like if you didn't know anything about purse and you didn't know anything about Bitcoin, you would think, yeah, right. That's a scam. You guys are going to steal my bank account or credit card. And there's no, there's, to anybody that doesn't know about Bitcoin and purse.io, if you told them you can get a 30% discount on every purchase from Amazon, they would think you're nuts and that you're a scammer because it just seems too good to be true. And I, I think that's the problem with purse. But we need to, you know, give pictures and demos and YouTube videos showing people that it's not too good to be true. It's not a scam. It's all completely legitimate and it works and it's really, really easy. So, uh, 
it's it's a hard road to do, but you know, go and post a, a description of how Purse works on your local Craigslist, or post on on uh, you know ads on eBay, even just describing what it's doing. I tell everybody, post on your Facebook and Twitter, uh, and people that know you personally, maybe they're a little bit more likely to to pay attention than just some random ad they see on the internet. But uh, I think Purse's problem again is the same problem that Bitcoin has with adoption: is that people think it's too good to be real. Hmm. I never thought about it from that perspective, and that's. That that does make a lot of sense because if somebody came to me like, "Hey, I'll give you thirty percent off on this," I'd be like, uh, "I don't know." So that does make sense. Um, so one of my favorite things that you did—it uh, was very simple—and you posted a picture of a hard drive that you purchased, and then you tweeted about its capacity and how it could have multiple copies of the Bitcoin blockchain, and that could last for a long time, and. To me, with such common sense math, shouldn't it be all too easy to see that Bitcoin needs a capacity increase? Why do you feel this debate has been so strenuous? I think human beings have a really hard time thinking exponentially. So it's not that hard drives get bigger by 10 megabytes every year or, or, or 100 megabytes every year or 50 megabytes every year. It's that they get bigger by you know, between 50 and 100% every year. And the first year, maybe you can calculate it, but when you go out year after year after year, you know, a 50% increase year after year, after a few years, really, really it's big. So people, I think, freak out when they hear about, you know, one gigabyte blocks. And yeah, today, one gigabyte block is too big. Like there, there's, you know, the hard drives and the networks can't handle that. But, uh, you know, I've been in computer, before Bitcoin, I sold uh, computer parts. And I remember one of the first things that I was selling were eight megabyte, not gigabyte, not terabyte eight megabyte uh, memory modules. And I was selling those for $650 each. Jeez. Whereas, to, yeah, today a eight megabyte memory module is literally garbage. You, you would throw it in the garbage and throw it away. I and mean, one photo on your iPhone is about eight megabytes now. Um, so I've seen these eight megabyte modules in my career. You know, we're talking about 15 years ago. It's not that long. I'm not that old. Um, where <laughs> they went from $650 to absolute garbage today. Wow. Yeah, jeez, man. And the, the same is going to be true today. The biggest hard drive to, is about eight terabytes that you can buy for like two hundred and fifty dollars or or less than two hundred dollars if you use purse.io. And eight terabytes is pretty big, but in the future, eight terabytes is going to be an eight terabyte hard drive. Fifteen years from now, is going to be something you would throw in the garbage because it's so small and you wouldn't even want to deal with it. Yeah, absolutely. It's like, it's like those iPods, you know, you can have 15,000 songs in your pocket. It's a miracle, but now people just throw them away. They're trash. Yep. And, and so I think it's kind of the same thing with this block uh, size debate. People think, you know, one gigabyte blocks or even they think, you know, eight megabyte blocks or even you know, we're seeing it with two megabyte blocks. Like it's not an issue and it's the same thing with bandwidth. You know, I'm, I just turned 37 last week. I remember my first modem was a 2400 baud modem. It took maybe more than an hour, I'd, I'd have to do the math again, but maybe more than an hour to download an entire megabyte, right? Whereas now I can download more than a megabyte per second with my internet connection. Right? I can download multiple megabytes per second. And uh, in another you know, 15 years from now or something, when we're going to think, oh, you could only download five megabytes per second, I can download five gigabytes per second today. And that's how big the difference is going to be. So um, I, I, I think people just have a hard time realizing that 
that this is exponential growth we're talking about, not linear growth when it comes to networking speeds and hard drive capacity and memory capacity and, and processor performance as well. These are all ex- things uh, you know that are growing exponentially, not linearly. And if people are interested in reading more about that sort of stuff, uh, Ray Kurzweil has all sorts of really interesting oh. things. If, if you guys don't know who he is, look him up. Amazing, amazing man. Uh, and I actually was fortunate enough to meet his son, who's a venture capitalist who's been looking at different uh, Bitcoin companies to invest in. So I, I thought that was kind of interesting. When I saw his last name, I said, any relation to Ray Kurzweil? And he says, yeah, that's my dad. Wow. So, I, I do know Ray Kurzweil. I've read his book on the singularity. I think it's called The Singularity is Near, I believe. Yep. Um, he's got that new book that I'm going to buy. Yeah, he, he puts everything in perspective, exponential growth, and everything just makes so much sense when you read the book. And it's like, wow, those are the things that Bitcoin should be preparing for. And but if you wow. go back and read the book that he wrote, I think in 1999 or 98 or somewhere in there called The Age of Spiritual Machines, and he predicted what was going to happen with the internet and text-to-speech. And if you think about it, right now today we can talk to our cell phone and it automatically dictates and write the text on the, on the phone – or you can tell it what to do and it understands in natural language. I, that was absolute science fiction back when I was in high school uh, in the late 90s. Like that, that was you know, even better than what they had on Star Trek, it seemed like. Whereas now today, with a, you know, a couple hundred dollar smartphone, you can do that. And you know, soon those, those smartphones that we're using today, in another decade, those ones are going to be so old and outdated that they're basically garbage. Um, yeah. So I, I just don't share the same worries that a lot of these people have in regards to the block size debate. And the other thing that I think they really have backwards is they're worried that if the, the blockchain gets really, really big, that, yeah, it'll take more space on a hard drive. And they're worried that less people will be willing, willing to run a full node at that point. But you have to remember, the more people that are able to use Bitcoin around the world, the bigger a pool of, of individuals and businesses that we have to draw on that will be willing to run full nodes. So if we had only 10 people in the world running using Bitcoin and all 10 of them we're uh, running a full node, we'd have 100% of the participants running full nodes. But that's not nearly as good as if we have a million people running full nodes and we have you know, a billion people around the world using Bitcoin. Uh, it's for, as a percentage, it's less decentralized in that aspect, but it's you know, absolute terms, it's way more decentralized. So mm-hmm. I think the absolute number of, of people running full nodes is more important than the, than the percentages. Absolutely. And uh, well, while we were talking about capacity increase, have you given your endorsement of either one of these two ways it looks like Bitcoin is going to go? We've got the core, we've got classic, or are you just kind of staying out of it and seeing what happens and where, I guess, the direction is going to go? I've, I've been pretty uh, pretty firmly on the side of uh, bigger blocks, and I think that that uh, is a really easy, safe way to scale Bitcoin. Uh, that doesn't mean that I'm opposed to segregated witness or any of these other you know, lightning technologies, or lightning network, rather. And all these things, but uh, you 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 can do them all. I think so. Or you can do a combination of those sorts of things. Or like the safest, easiest, fastest way to scale at this point seems very clearly to increase the the, the block size every ten minutes. Uh, two two megabytes is you know less than the average website. You know, you I can download a two megabyte file in about a second on my internet connection uh, here. So like, and I think most people. Uh, are able to do that at, at this point, or at the very worst, you know, a couple of seconds. So, uh, yeah, my I, the short answer is I'm in favor of bigger blocks, and I'm running Bitcoin Classic on on the machine that I'm talking to you on right now, and uh, a Raspberry Pi that I've been playing around with because those are really fun. If people don't already have one, go and order one through Purse.io. It's like twenty five dollars after your Bitcoin discount, and it's, they're really fun and neat. 
That's a uh, yeah. That's what um, I've been told. Raspberry Pis are. We were just talking about that this morning. Yeah. All right, D. I, I think you've been going easy on Roger. It's time to hit him with some hard hitting question. Oh snaps! In ten words or less, can you describe Bitcoin? Bitcoin is money that's beyond the control of anyone. I'm not sure how many words that was, but and yeah. you caught me on the spot. Another thing I <laughs> to say is uh, Bitcoin is the best form of money the world has ever seen. Oh my god, that sums up everybody's that, answer. Sure. That's yeah. around ten words, I suppose. <laughs> that one, the last one was more than ten. The first one was nine. So which one? Do you want to go <laughs> which with? one? Do you want? Yeah. Uh, I, I I like the one that's more than ten. <laughs> <laughs> Both excellent answers, though. Um, well, that that's usually how we wrap up our interviews. Is, is there anything, any current projects that you're working on that you want to put out there in the ether? Um, not Ethereum ether, but like the word ether. Anyways, that you want to put out there for our listeners. Anything you want to say, anything you want to promote, go for it. Yeah, I, I guess uh, the thing that I, a couple of things I'd like to close with is that uh, I'm really, really disappointed with like censorship that's been going on on various Bitcoin platforms. Um I guess, yeah, they're privately owned websites for the, for the most part or, or they're controlled by certain people. But if you're having to like delete dissenting comments or dissenting opinions that are smart people that genuinely hold those beliefs and aren't just trying to stir up trouble, um, you've already lost the debate if, if, if you're having to delete those sorts of comments. So I'm, I'm really disappointed by that. And I wish the community would speak up uh, more strongly about that sort of thing going on over on our Bitcoin and BitcoinTalk.org. Uh, uh, as alternatives to both of those, though, there's uh, uncensored forums at rbtc and uh, forum.bitcoin.com and uh, bitco.in slash forum is another one as well. There's, you know, the more competition we have, the better. Uh, another thing that I'd like to remind everybody of is that Bitcoin isn't a company. There's no central organization that's promoting Bitcoin. It's up to each and all of us to spread Bitcoin. So go home and tell your family, tell your mother and father, tell your brother and sister, tell your boyfriend or girlfriend. Tell everybody about Bitcoin. Help them set up a Bitcoin wallet. Tell them about Purse.io. Tell them about FoldApp to save 20% at Starbucks. Tell them about all these great ways in which Bitcoin can improve their lives because there's no company that's going to do it. We need all of you guys uh, out there that are listening to my voice to go out there and do that. So uh, get on Facebook and Twitter and uh, in person as well and tell people about Bitcoin. Amazing. We'll do. You know we're going to do it. I mean, that's what we do. Communities are a thing. Thank you so much for stopping by. Mr. Roger Bear, um, hope you have a great day, great weekend, enjoy yourself, and um, yeah, that's about it. Thanks, sir. Thank you for being here. My pleasure, guys. Thanks so much. And that was Roger Bear himself stopping by to you know hang out with us at the Bitcoin Podcast. We like to keep it easy, as you could tell. We we didn't uh, we could tell he just wanted to relax, and so. We talked a little bit about Bitcoin. We kicked it. That's what the Bitcoin podcast is all about. You know, we imagine one day if we if we had it our way, we had like a studio and we could just bring people in that are working on their passion projects, working on Bitcoin, you know, working on different blockchain technologies, sit them on the couch, you know, meet Corey and Cello, have our coffee drinks, um, coffee that was purchased with Bitcoin and it went on the Bitcoin blockchain, by the way, shout out. Bitcoin Classic. Um, and we're just shooting the shit. It's great. You're going to love it. But that's if we have our dream. Until then, we need to talk. 
a little bit. And there's something that I have wanted to talk about, and that's the awesome service that is Shapeshift. Holy damn. I've been using Shapeshift a lot lately because I think it's only wise to hedge your bets in all facets of life, except for a few. There's a few facets you go all in on. But when it comes to finances, you definitely hedge your bets. I've been using Shapeshift, the app Shapeshift Online. Let me tell you something, guys. We, we're not sponsored by Shapeshift, but Shapeshift.io is something you should check out, um, especially if you plan to own different cryptocurrencies and have a portfolio, if you must, or in the words of uh, Shapeshift, an altfolio, if you want to diversify a little bit. Because the other altcoins out there, they're legitimate. You know, they're they're, they're pretty legit. They do some great things, um, lots of different functions. Some of them are just like Bitcoin. Some of them are totally different, like Ethereum. Um, nevertheless, it doesn't hurt to, you know, have a broad paint stroke. You know what I mean? Have a good diverse portfolio. Diversify. Wu-Tang said it best, I think, in a documentary series called The Chappelle Show, the Wu-Tang Investment uh, Trust. Uh, said you got to diversify. So, anyways, um, yeah, short episode this week. Um, cello sick. Corey's out of the country. We don't don't really have much to bounce ideas off of. Um, so gonna close it out, guys. I, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Hope you enjoyed listening to Roger Ver. Kind of relax. I know. He's usually probably in heated debate with somebody over something, but it's good that we got him in here and he could just relax. So, anyways, um, shout out to Zoe Saldana, of course, always. Um, also, catch us on at the BTC Podcast. That's our Twitter. Um, you'll love it. Cello runs it. He tweets you. If you tweet him back, he'll tweet you back. It's, it's a very inclusionary process. You'll love it. Zapchain.com slash Z slash just two guys. Help us grow our community too. If you join the community, help us grow it because we'd like to have a community that can help us maybe even build the show up to where we, we want it to be and we could get more involved with you guys and get more people's opinions in there. You know, maybe we could even be somewhat of a small representation of the Bitcoin populace, if you will. Um, what else? The BitcoinPodcast.com is the website. You should link that shit everywhere. No lie. Copy the link. Tweet it. Copy the link. Facebook it. Copy the link. Put it in GitHub. Doesn't matter. Make it seem like it's some sort of program or script, but it's not. It's just our link. Uh, copy the link. Write an article about it. Just put the link everywhere. Because people need to know the Bitcoin podcast is a thing and it's awesome. What else? Um, you should, if you live in the States, you should go to Zapchain and you should let us know if you want the Bitcoin podcast stickers. We'll send you some stickers and you can do guerrilla marketing with us. All right. I, I stuck a sticker on a Starbucks bench table, just right on the table. Actually, no, it was like on a divider. And then I put one on their menu, but it wasn't a menu. It was like a little promotional thing. Anyways, guerrilla marketing all day or a day. The Bitcoin podcast.com. Um, I don't think I'm missing anything else. Oh, yes, I am. Our Facebook. Go to Facebook. Like us. We talk on there and post things. You'll stay up to date and our newsletter. And that's all the plugging, self plugging I have. Um, 
yeah, next next week it should get a little back to normal, but you know, there's gonna be some you know, I'm on spring break, I'll be traveling. Uh, but we're gonna get everything sorted for you guys so you can keep enjoying the Bitcoin podcast. Um sorry about the weird episode. We're gonna get back to normalcy soon. Alright. Play the outro.